FireCow is a passion project forged from the Fire community aimed at giving its investors passive income from holding their token. They want all of their investors to live a happy, healthy, financially free life, and that starts with buying and holding their coin when they launch in August. They have plans of giving out tons of cryptocurrencies, NFTs, and merchandise leading up to launch day in August, as well as donating a lot of money to different projects that heal the environment. You don't want to miss out on the next cryptocurrency that's scheduled to launch towards the moon on August 14th. Follow them on Twitter at FireCowToken, that's F-Y-R-E, CowToken, or just check them out on their website at FireCow.com, that's F-Y-R-E, Cow.com. That will have everything they're planning to do and what they're going to be giving away. That's Fire with a Y, not an I, F-Y-R-E. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. The one that everybody wants, me. Hey everyone, welcome to the WWE Podcast Week in Review. It is Sunday, August 7th, 2022, and we have a lot to get through with this Week in Review. There's so much going on, a lot of rumors or kind of confirmed stories about Triple H and nothing earth-shattering other than I guess a change of philosophy appears to be in order in WWE where outlets are reporting Triple H is looking to move from sports entertainment to pro wrestling. Hallelujah. If that is the case. Now, what exactly that means is, of course, up to interpretation. You'd have to ask Triple H himself, but one could argue that that would mean a change of presentation, no longer having to ban the word wrestler getting away from hokey storylines, getting back to reality-based wrestling. You see a lot of that in just a few weeks. He's been the head of creative. There seems to be a much heavier emphasis on the in-ring product and less about the 20-minute promos to open a show that lead to the main event. That's not a bad formula. It's just when one that has been insanely overused the last 20, 25 years. And so it's not that those types of segments are going to be completely banned or rather even neglected on a, on a month to month basis, but rather minimized and used sparingly where the product is focused on what it should be wrestling. Because I believe that is what people watch pro wrestling for is wrestling. I'm not saying you can't have little entertainment here and there, but isn't wrestling entertainment by definition, which is why the word sports entertainment, the phrase never really made a whole lot of sense to me. The phrase sports entertainment doesn't mean anything. It's something that Vince created out of thin air to mean, well, it's, it's wrestling, but we're a simulated sport. So we're going to enter, we're going to create an entertaining version of a simulated sport. That's essentially what it means. But in reality, wrestling is how you entertain people. Of course you can have backstage segments. Of course you can have other things, but how often do those actually hit rather than miss most miss, I would say rather than hit, especially when you're trying to do comedy. And if WWE, under Triple H's guidance, under under Stephanie McMahon's management, they're going to go back to a more wrestling-based organization and philosophy, 
back to the roots, back to basics, sign me up. That doesn't mean I need to have just only wrestling and no promos. Of course not. Of course not. Promos are an essential part of pro wrestling in today's presentation of this sport. But it doesn't need to veer off into ridiculous storylines that Vince put together. And I'm not here to crap on Vince. Vince McMahon put together one of the most remarkable organizations in the history of the world. That's not an understatement. And Vince created some of the most memorable moments you'll ever have in your life. Many of those moments defined our childhood. I know they defined mine, not solely, okay? (laughs) It wasn't the only thing, but especially from 13 to like 25, during the heart of when I was, you know, that I watched wrestling and it was the quote-unquote golden age and we went into ruthless aggression. You, you just remember moments of your life watching certain moments of wrestling and associate those moments of your life with wrestling. So, you know, I'm not here to crap on Vince. I'm not going to talk about the allegations. I mean, it's been grinded into a fine powder and we don't know the full results of them. And, you know, we may never. But the point here is that this is now a time to take what Vince has done, and certainly it wasn't perfect, especially towards the end when he was stubborn and think he thought he knew better than us fans. And sometimes he did, but more often than not, it was just a battle of it, or rather a war of attrition. And eventually the fan, the, usually the fans went out, but now we've got Triple H. And, and I hope that Triple H, for all the goodwill he's at least shown us so far, doesn't have such a reactionary uh, a reactionary tendency or I, what's I can't think of the word a reactionary uh, I guess tendency is the word towards when fans do or don't like something that he switches it on a dime and goes oh well I, I got to make sure everyone's happy I got to make a good first impression I got to make sure people like me in terms of the fans and, and you know making sure oh, I don't want to piss off the fans and then, then I don't piss off the sponsors right I hope that's not the approach that Triple H is taking consciously or unconsciously because that could lead to disaster as well where he takes almost the opposite approach to Vince where Vince is set in his ways and goes that way where Triple H maybe influenced a little bit more at the beginning of this job to make sure fans are happy right away. I don't want to be happy right away. I want to do the right thing right away. Even if that's having me get pissed off for a little while as a fan, Hell, we've dealt with a lot of Vince's nonsense. We can deal with it a little bit longer. But I don't know I don't know Triple H's mentality. It just is is one thing I'm thinking about as you go into a new job, no matter what the job, you always you, you kind of want to slide in under the radar most times and make a good impression. Don't ruffle any feathers. Just kind of, you know, get used to the job, see what it's like. Get the day to day down. Understand your responsibilities. You know that kind of thing. And I, I just I hope that he doesn't adapt that mindset where you you know you, you well, well the fans don't like this so we better change it. You know I I don't think he would, but I hope that's not something he does just out of uh, you know a reactionary response to the the ma- the, the the completely uh, huge job that he has. I mean it's a. It's a it's a very, very important job, obviously, in WWE for what we see on air. And so far, Vince, or rather Triple H, 
has his fingerprints on the product. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I think as, as we get further out in time, as I've said in my few, uh, previous podcast, that we can start to assume everything we see on TV is is from Triple H. Now, again, you're going to have some Vince carryovers. It's going to take time for everything Vince envisioned or maybe Triple H adapted to continue to completely dissolve. But as we go further, every show that we see, every show that goes by, SmackDown and Raw, and every uh, premium live event that goes by has more and more of Triple H's influence. So I think the biggest influence that we've seen, returning stars, Dakota Kai, right? There's one. Uh, we have... Carrying Cross this past week. You know, we have EO, EO Sky. You know, so those are people that, that you can look at and with fairly high confidence say that's definitely a Triple H move. That there's very un, there's a very low likelihood that Vince would have brought them back, especially in the manner that Triple H brought them back. And we're gonna dive into Carrying Cross. Okay. Uh we're gonna dive into it. And if you want the full SmackDown review from someone other than me. John, who uh, does usually a co-hosting gig with Michael on every uh, every SmackDown, did a solo show, did a great job, and you can check that out on our feed. But, uh, oh, and one thing I want to give a shout-out, not one thing, one person I want to give a shout-out to, and that is our latest patron on Patreon, and that's Jared Lee. Thank you, Jared, for your support. I hope you enjoy everything ad-free and the video that goes with it. So, and there, the, uh, did you think you guys were going to get away without a plug at the beginning of the show? Come on now. But uh, thank you, Jared. And you guys can join Jared. Get a shout out. Get on Patreon. Everything ad free for a dollar, starting at a dollar at patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Uh, also, one other thing. You want to see me on video? Go to DuPontNow.com. Sign up for free. And that's the DuPont Network. And what you get? An hour of me every week. Video. 100% free at DuPontNow.com. So along with a bunch of other live TV, it's not just me on there, okay? They, they did, the network doesn't doesn't exist because of the show. They were just kind enough to include me on their streaming service. Okay, but to Triple H, again, I, I wanted to just open with a bit of a high-level look at Triple H and so far what he's done. And again, it's just it's difficult to say exactly what were his ideas, what weren't. Some are foggy. Some look like Vince carryovers, but the ones that look like Triple H, that's that you look at it and go, yeah, Vince wouldn't have probably done this. Are the three returns, EO Sky, Dakota Kai, and Karrion Cross with Scarlet this past week, and uh, I, I think really Karrion Cross, at least he didn't bring that uh, that mask out that Vince envisioned, <laughs> you know, and, and that that definitely seems like a Triple H. Uh, Triple H move that that has the fingerprints of Triple H with fairly high confidence. We can say that uh, we'll get to that again in a little bit. But uh, again, I think that we've got a lot to look forward to with Triple H. Not to say we're not going to complain about his creative. Hell, I've got some complaints already. I've got some complaints about SmackDown and Raw, but that's the way a podcast goes. We're not here to kiss WWE's ass, but we're also not here to complain about everything. So. Oh, and for those speaking of complaining. I have a, a, a video that I'm putting together, maybe a little audio too. I haven't figured out 100% how it's going to go, but responding to the negative comments, uh, the, the reviews. I know I said that last time, but I've got some really re just sparkling reviews calling this podcast racist and all, you know everything else under the sun that this 2022 culture 
likes to use as like you know attacks on on uh, on things they don't like. So it's it's gonna be fun. So when I whenever that's released, I'll let you know. But it's gonna be a review or me responding to those individuals that don't like the show, and it's a way for me to respond. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stoop to their level. Yes, I am. I will gladly stoop to that level. So. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, let's move on here. I want to actually dive into uh, SmackDown. Let's just get into SmackDown. And of course, we touch on Raw a little bit. But since I do a full Raw review, I don't want to do it all again. So let's talk about SmackDown a little bit. A decent show. Heavy on wrestling. There's you know a trademark of Triple H. Now, it's not to say Vince didn't have heavy wrestling shows. But anyone that knew Vince, you know, anything about Vince, he loved the sports entertainment part of sports, which, again, doesn't mean anything. When I say sports entertainment, again, I've dissected why that phrase doesn't make sense. But we all in our minds are implying that, oh, it's the extra stuff. It's not the in-ring stuff, right? So that's what I'm implying is the comedy, the the skits, the promos, the skin, the scandalous stuff going on. But this does seem like Triple H for sure. Uh, at least there's evidence for it. All right, let's um, let's dive into SmackDown, and let's see here. We got the Bloodline come into the arena. They rolled into their arena, and we had the honorary Us Sami Zayn repeatedly try to talk with Roman Reigns. He was denied. He was sent to the production truck to make sure that Roman Reigns' pyro and his graphics look good and all that. And then Zayn accused the Usos of giving him the runaround. And then Jey Uso warned Zayn that it was time to pull his weight around. So, Sami Zayn continuing to try to suck up to Roman Reigns. You do wonder if Triple H is going like, to axe this at some point. And the reason I say that is, I'm sure Triple H sees the value in Sami Zayn as an actual competitor. Not just this, you know, trying to be one of the band. Trying to be one of the cool kids. Trying to be part of the group. Trying to fit in. That doesn't, you know, I, I know that right now it fits Sami Zayn's character, and it's not the worst thing in the world. Sami Zayn's a very talented wrestler, talented performer, talented on the mic. I mean, he's a very well-rounded, polished guy. So he's making this work, but I do wonder if Triple H sees more value than just him trying to be a part of the cool crowd. You know, you, you just wonder what the payoff is. Is it Roman Reigns beating him down and turning Sami Zayn babyface? Maybe. Maybe. Sami Zayn could be a babyface very easily and go back to his music. It's not hard, but okay. So then we got Ricochet defeating Happy Corbin via pinfall. He hit the shooting star press with an assist from Pat McAfee for the distraction. McAfee, Ricochet, and the other stars mocked Corbin's loss uh, at uh, to McAfee at SummerSlam, which led to this match. And I'm a bit mixed on how... Pat McAfee opened this whole segment, you know, basically using his sports analysis or, you know, drawing circles on the screen like they would do in football to call a play and, you know, all that kind of thing. I think it was a little overdone, a little bit too much, but maybe that's the point. But we got a, you know, a 15 time replay of the uh, below the belt kick from McAfee to Corbin at SummerSlam. It was funny and I get it. And, you know, Pat McAfee's owning that he did that and just didn't outright beat Corbin, which makes sense. So it protects Corbin a little bit, but also it protects McAfee for acknowledging that he didn't outright beat him. So, all right. So, but by the way, the match was great. 
well, I shouldn't say great. It was good. And Ricochet is, you know, just he's got a he's got a nice connection with the crowd. But my worries with Ricochet is that he's a one trick pony. And I mean that, of course, symbolically, he's got more maneuvers than probably most guys on the roster in terms of in ring. But the guy is one dimensional, meaning that the fans look at him and nobody here can can lie to me on this one. You and I know, both know that when you look at Ricochet, you don't see this deep character, this guy that you can connect with, that you feel emotional about. You look at him and you see, oh, that's the guy that does cool moves. You know, oh, he's, he's, he does such great stuff in the ring. He's so, you know, he's so athletic in the ring. You know that's what you're thinking. You think that automatically because he is. And WWE has done next to nothing for character development. And Triple H, who has been so adamant about having an emotional connection with what you're watching, making you feel something, has yet to. And again, I'm not saying he sh- he should be held to the fire here for this. I mean, he's got certainly other things to worry about. He just started the job. But at some point, he has to get to Ricochet and say, great hand, good talent. You know, of course, good talent, doesn't get in trouble, athletic, looks good. But there's no deep connection with the fans. The fans look at him and see him a bu- see a bunch of fireworks. You know, it, it's one thing after another. It's rapid fire. It's oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. And the fans just expect more and more and more. And there, but there's no real connection. Like I don't feel emotional about fireworks. Do you? You know, it's it's that kind of thing. And I just think Ricochet. It's not impossible. Again, I'm not saying that this that Ricochet is going to have a bad career. I just don't have anything deep with him yet at all. And the fans still react. The thing is, the fans react in a way that would make you think that he does have a connection with the fans on a deep level. He doesn't. The fans react to them the way that they do because he's such a unique wrestler. He does things that are just inhuman. So that's why they react positively to him. And he's just he seems like a genuinely likable guy. So that's why. All right. Um, uh, one ridiculously just odd side note, guys. If your wives or your girlfriends ask you to watch a show called I Never Heard of It in My Life. I never heard of it in my life. I thought it was going to be stupid. I thought it was you know, just going to be awful. But it ended up sucking me in, and it's a guilty pleasure now. And I am man enough to admit it. It's a show. It was on Bravo, but I think you can catch it on like Hulu now or something. There's eight or nine seasons. It's called Vanderpump Rules. Um, it sounds stupid. The name is you're like, what? What? What is this? Oh, it's some drama show. It's like real world. It'll suck you in. Don't do it. Okay. I'm now on like season four and I've seen every episode. And, you know, we, we went from Stranger Things to Vanderpump Rules. Many of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't investigate because if you start watching it, you're going to say, oh, this is garbage TV. This is fake. I don't think it's not fake, by the way. I looked it up, um, but it's uh, it's it's reality based and it's, it's about drama and relationships and infidelity and all. But these servers work at a restaurant in L.A. and they're all sleeping with each other. And this one loves that one. And this one hates this one. And then they break up. And the, it's, it's typical high school drama, but with like 20 and 30 year olds. And I know already I'm not selling you on it. And it sounds as stupid as I explained it, but you get sucked in. And the reason I guess I'm explaining this is, number one, I'd if you want to watch it and waste hours of your life, go ahead, uh, because I have. But emotional investment, like I'm emotionally invested in this show. It's so stupid. And I know consciously it's a dumb show, 
but I can't stop watching. And it's the same thing with wrestling. If you don't have an emotional connection, you're not going to really care who wins or loses that particular matchup. So there, I tied it somehow into wrestling. All right, let's move on. As I embarrass myself further in my own show, let's go. Ricochet. Oh, I said, I always said that. Okay. Nakamura and Ludwig had another match. I think this might be like their fourth match in five weeks. But Ludwig loses after Shinsuke hits him with the Kinshasa. What was on the line here is a title defense. And if Ludwig loses, Shinsuke earns an Intercontinental Championship match against uh, Gunther. And Ludwig loses. So... Two things here. Number one, we get an Intercontinental Championship match between Ricochet, or rather, between Shinsuke and Gunther, which is fun. I don't think Shinsuke has a chance in hell of winning, and nor should he have any chance. But also, what's the punishment going to be for Ludwig Kaiser? I mean, 50 lashes, public execution, hang him in the gallows. What is it? Paddleboarding? <laughs> I don't know, right? And. I just hope whatever comes of the punishment for Ludwig that it doesn't lead to a split with those two. They have barely got going and there's chemistry already. There's no need, no need to split them up if that's the case here. Ludwig and and Gunther go very well together and we're just getting started. So we'll have to see that what the punishment is. Liv Morgan. Whew, this was interesting to me. This is one of those things I don't think it's being discussed, at least in the shows I've heard enough. Okay, they were in Greenville, South Carolina. Number one, I'm glad that they said Greenville. and They didn't just say the state because Greenville sounds too hick-like. And it's not big enough. It's not a big enough town for WWE to acknowledge. So we're just going to say South Carolina. Nope, they said Greenville. So I'm going to keep an eye on if that's a trend or not. I think next week they're in Raleigh. North Carolina. So Raleigh is definitely a big enough town for uh, for uh, SmackDown. But okay. But the reaction Liv Morgan got here when she came out was very interesting for Greenville. I, I'm i going to chalk it up to just an anomaly. Just kind of like a, a weird random reaction. I, I don't understand this. I hope it's not a trend. I really do. If I was WWE, I would chalk this up to we don't know what the hell that was. Let's move on. We'll keep we'll we'll, we'll, we'll you know we'll put this in our memory bank, but let let's move on here with our plan. And that plan is live as a babyface, Ronda as a heel. Please don't use this one reaction as a a compass to uh, to to kind of change things up. I hope they don't. I don't think they will. But the reaction for live was like sixty forty negative. Maybe even 75-25 negative for Liv. And Ronda, there were some Ronda chants. Uh, boy, I, if I was to try to break this down from a Fran's psychological perspective, I think that they look at Liv as a, not a credible champion. The only credibility she has is that she's been here seven years. So, okay, she's been here long enough. If longevity earns you a title shot, shouldn't uh, Tamina have won the championship like eight times already? So longevity, while it's nice and it does inherently earn respect on the part of fans for you to stick around that long, how you win the big matches does matter. And in this case, Liv, so far in her big 
two matches she's had, meaning the one that she beat the uh, beat the champion for, Ronda Rousey beat the uh, her for the championship, was not in the most credible way. Although that's how Money in the Bank should work. And number two, the title defense against Ronda also sparked some controversy. I'm I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I also understand that they can't have Liv beat Ronda uh, clean. They can't. It's not believable. Number one. Number two, you got to protect Ronda Rousey to the best of your ability because she is an asset to the company. She is. I'm not a big fan of her on, a, on, you know, on, on any level, but I understand why she's an asset. So you, you can't just have Liv come out of the woodwork and beat Ronda clean. doesn't make sense. There had to be some controversy, but Liv tried to own it with the crowd and saying that, you know, you, you know, I, I know, I, I'm, you know, I understand why you guys are calling me on my SH, you know, which, by the way, they, um, I, I guess that's PG now. That wasn't PG back in, you know, when TV 14 was TV 14. Even TV 14, you couldn't say that word. And all of a sudden, TV PG, you can? I don't know. But nonetheless, I just think that Liv Morgan and WWE should chalk this up to just a an older crowd, male, you know, in their 40s or something. And they respect Ronda, and, and there's not a lot of credibility for Liv. Again, I wouldn't change direction at all. I would just uh, say, okay, we'll store this in our memory bank and move on. But, uh, all right. So, Shayna Baszler defeats Raquel Rodriguez, Natalia, Xyli, Shotzi, Sonya Deville, and Aaliyah in a gauntlet match. Now, Shayna didn't beat every one of those women. She actually only beat one person, and that was Raquel Rodriguez, who had beaten, like, everyone else single-handedly. Everyone else, nearly. I think there's only one person that she didn't beat. Um, but I think Aaliyah might have been the only one she didn't beat. I think Sonia beat Aaliyah, and then Raquel beat Sonia, Shotzi, Zaya, and Natalia. So the, the big story here is are two things. Number one, well, three things. Number one, it's Ronda Rousey got a one-week suspension. They kind of alluded to she might be back next week. They didn't say she had a permanent suspension. It was just seemingly one week. So she'll be back, and what she does is going to be interesting. Number two, Shayna Baszler is going to be facing Liv Morgan here for the Women's Championship at Clash of the Castle. So Shayna comes out of complete obscurity, and I think this is also a Triple H move, something that uh, Vince felt. she. I don't think Vince ever truly understood Shayna or that he had a certain vision or mold in mind for who should be at the top of the women's division, and Shayna certainly doesn't fit the typical beauty standard mold that Vince likes to have. Even if it's a combination of beauty and power, I think Vince looked at her and said, well, she's missing missing half of that equation. I truly believe Vince believed that. It's just my suspicion. But I think Triple H looks at uh, looks at Shayna and says, yeah, I know what we have here. Let's, let's actually utilize the talent we have. So Shayna gets her biggest match in, I feel like, three years <laughs> since before she joined Nia Jax during the pandemic era to win the Women's Tag Team Championships. Oh, and number three, a showing for Raquel Rodriguez. <clears throat> that was a hell of a showing for Raquel. Meeting four women and really making a name, or as they would say, making a statement. But this, she really was. She, she was putting her herself in the minds of fans who may not be thinking about her very much, but she is a hell of a competitor. She looks like a legit badass. She's got the size. She's got the look. 
She's got a lot going for her. Rich, Raquel Rodriguez is an absolute future women's champion, whether it's Raw or SmackDown. And that's what they were conveying to us is Raquel, even though, even though she's going to lose, she's going to go out with a bang and nearly pull it off. And Shayna, as the heel, comes in and beats Raquel, who had already gone through four other women. So uh, that that's the other. And, oh, they introduced or rather put a video package on for the women's tag team championship tournament that's going to start this Monday. I have mixed feelings on this. Number one, I'm glad they are following through on what they said they were going to do. That's good. Number two, though, do they have a women's tag team division yet? Or is Triple H just trying to, again, make good with promises and, again, the goodwill of fans? We got to make a good first impression. But you don't have a women's tag team division. That's the whole problem. That's been one of the prob one of the problems, although big one, from the get-go with the women's tag team uh, division that doesn't exist. I shouldn't even call it a division. It's a it's a mirage. There is no currently. There is no women's tag team division. So while they are putting a tournament together. You're putting a tournament together for teams that don't exist. Now, of course, the tournament's going to have teams on it. And I say teams loosely because they're just two individuals who are being put together for the purpose of this tournament. So that's, you know, that, that maybe that's one thing, at least, you know, while I'm making fun of this or, or getting a little bit annoyed that they don't have a tag team division. I'm assuming that those that they put together in the tournament, the losing teams will still be considered quote unquote, part of the division wherever this mythical division exists. Tell me the last time somebody seriously, the last time we had a women's tag team match, not chain out for the championship, just a women's tag team match. I couldn't tell you either or either or either. I don't know. Pick one. That tells you all you need to know that if there was truly a division, there was truly an organic push for a championship. The, the, the contenders for that championship would already be in place. They don't make a championship and then create the contenders. It's not how this works. So whatever, we'll see how it plays out. I hope I eat my words because I want this to succeed. It just, to me, from a logical perspective, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That you don't have tag teams in place. You're just going to throw random individuals together and call them a tag team. But, all right. Anyway, off my soapbox. Let's continue. The Viking Raiders. Oh, excuse me. The vicious Viking Raiders. I need to make sure that I am uh, I'm giving them the respect they deserve. The vicious Viking Raiders defeat Tommy Gibson and Jim Mulkey in a short squash match. This was nothing more than to... Do a couple things. Number one, uh, I guess re remind you of the dominance that Viking Raiders can have, um, even if it is against no no name uh, local talent. But number two, to set up for a Kofi Kingston attack with a kendo stick. The one thing I will say, as again as obnoxious as Kofi Kingston is, at least he came out with the right fire that he should have had with uh, the the Vi- Viking Raiders attacking. Woods and injuring him 
you know, we should have had an angry Kofi Kingston, and generally we did. That's as angry as Kofi can ever get. He did a promo before this, and it was a little bit angry, but he still had to get his ridiculous lines in and his dancing. I'm telling you, you could light this man's home on fire with his family inside, and he would still come out on the next, you know, of course, storyline. I would never wish such a thing, for real. But the point I'm trying to make is you could literally do anything to this man as far as character goes, and he will still come up with jokes the next week. There is nothing you could do or say where he would be all serious in his promo the next week. There's nothing. I think that's another big part of the whole thing. But, but, at least when he stopped the promo and came out and attacked the Viking Raiders with a kendo stick, he was all fire. That was good. Uh, All right, so then we got a match between Kofi Kingston and Eric that ended in a schoolboy pin because... uh, Apparently, the New Day can't win with any other maneuver other other than a roll-up, a schoolboy, some kind of uh, sneaky pinning combination. The, I mean, Woods is a, a Kofi, or rather, um, Xavier Woods is the master at this. I mean, Backwoods, he has his own roll-up. Finish. It's called Backwoods. That's all you need to know about how many times they've made the roll-up finish for uh, Woods. He's just embraced it and made it part of his finish. It's amazing. Oh, God. All right. Let's see here. Then we get a message. At least uh, Roman Reigns came out in his 20-minute entrance, and we were going to get some kind of message from him to Drew. There wasn't a whole lot before Drew came out. And he, you know, seemingly was on a war path for the bloodline. That was before Karrion Cross comes out, brutalizes Drew McIntyre from behind, and slams his head into the steps, elbows him in the back of the head, and then stares at Roman Reigns as Scarlet puts an hourglass in the ring, symbolizing that your time is, as champion is ticking away. I believe that is the message. If I'm interpreting that correctly, I don't know if carrying cross is a healer face because I would imagine heal, but he also stared down Roman Reigns. So I think the follow-up promo next week will tell the tale, whether they are envisioning this man as a baby face or a heel. I, I, I don't know what's better right now because I don't know what version of carrying this is. I know it's not the masked version, cartoon character version of carrying cross. I know that for sure. Uh, and I'm sure Triple H looked at him and said, hey, this creative wasn't your fault. I know it's what killed you. Vince told you to do it. I knew that you had more in you. Let's bring you back. What do you envision? What do you feel comfortable doing? And I'm, I just feel like that's how the conversation went. You know, that, that, of course, speculation, speculation. But I think that seems plausible. And it's just, you know, we all knew the infamous mask that he brought out many months ago that uh, completely killed his career, his momentum on Raw was uh, stopped dead in its tracks. So uh, that was a pretty cool ending to, to SmackDown. Definitely different. And we will have to see what happens. All right. Then we get to uh, a little bit of Monday Night Raw. I'll run through this a little bit here. And Oscar versus Bailey ended in a no contest. Bianca versus Io Sky ended in a no contest. A lot of this had to do with Bailey's group that has yet to be named. They uh, seemingly are 
on a warpath for putting the women's division on notice. Uh, let's see here. AJ Styles defeated Mustafa Ali and The Miz after a style clash on Ali. That was amazing. I, I did allude to that on Raw, the Raw review, that the Styles clash that uh, was put on Ali on The Miz was, I mean, that's just fun to watch. And AJ Styles wins to that, that triple threat to get entered into a match later in the show in which that winner would face Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. Seth Rollins defeated Montez Ford after hitting the stomp. The uh, the Street Profits interrupted a Rollins promo about his intention to go after Roman Reigns. They played rock, paper, scissors. This led to Dawkins um, or Ford grabbing a referee and running to the ring to cheat Angelo Dawkins out of the opportunity. The uh, Street Profits split continues. And I'm, I'm all for it. I, I've said that so many times. Bring it on, baby. Champa defeats Chad Gable and Ziggler via pinfall after uh, or to advance to face AJ Styles. So it's Champa versus AJ Styles for an opportunity to face Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. And Champa beats AJ with a fairy tale ending. Miz interfered several times. That allowed Champa to score the win and secure a shot against Bobby for the U.S. title on next week's episode, i.e. tomorrow night or tonight by the time you're listening to this. The, the episode of Raw on August 8th. So, looking forward to that. I don't think Champa's going to win, but it's not impossible. It's definitely not impossible. Champa, WWE, or rather Triple H specifically, is very high on Champa. So, there is that. All right. We got, oh, a Edge promo. Vowing to end the Judgment Day. In so many words, apologizing to the fans for being an a-hole. It made me just, it, it, it makes me lose respect for the Edge character. That's saying something. And it's not Adam Copeland's fault. This is all the brainchild of Vince. I very much, ha- I, I very much have a problem with the belief that Adam Copeland had anything to do with him leaving the Judgment Day in the first place. Very much doubt that, given that they knew they had something and then they just cut it short. But, you know, this this was a an apology that was an apology without being an apology. It was, I mean, he did as good as he could have with it because you're not going to say I'm sorry. It was just, oh, I've been an a-hole, just acknowledging your faults and then moving on. But it's still, I still have a problem with it. I mean, I just don't believe it. I don't know what Edge is, and he's back to his his music. You know, he's he's back to just original music, and I love that music. But it's just, it's still, it seems too way too soon. It's like six months too soon. I don't know, but he just vowed to end the Judgment Day. Okay, the Undisputed Tag Team Championship, the Usos defeat the Mysterios via pinfall. This uh, this match saw the Usos defeating, of course, the, Us- uh, the Usos defeating the Mysterios to retain the titles, and that came after Mysterio Dominic was hit with the 1D. However, after the match, the Judgment Day attacked the Mysterios until Edge's music hit. He ran to the ring to fight off Finn and Damian. And then before Edge could hit Balor with a spear, Rhea Ripley shoved Dominic into the spear. So, as I've alluded to on the Raw Review Show, and I still continue to stick by it, I believe this is leading to something. Is it a Dominic heel turn? Is it an Edge re-heel turn, which he should be? It's got to be one of those. 
I would imagine it's probably Dominic because I don't think they want to turn Edge from heel to face back to heel. They would have done that at SummerSlam. But I think Dominic and Ray is going to be a lot of fun if they do it. If this is not Dominic turning heel, I don't know what is. So, yeah, uh, that that was pretty much Monday Night Raw. Um, that covered the majority of the show. I, I'm probably missing some things that you guys are yelling at me for, but it is very late into the night here, Sunday night. I do appreciate everybody for listening here. I know that you have a lot of options with wrestling, and I I hope you guys stick around because we have a we have a lot of content here that we produce nearly every day, and we have new team members and we have various voices from men and women and uh, young and old. Uh, we we have it all here, and I'm very proud to to be a part of this team and and have such great great co-hosts to help steer the ship. You know, uh, this yeah I may have come up with this show, but this show would not be what it is without all of my team. So. Shout out to them. Shout out to you guys to continue to tell your friends and family about the show. If you like wrestling and if, if you like it in a way that's honest and it's not a total you know complaint fest the entire time, it's a fair analysis is what this is. It's fair. We have no dog in the fight. We're not affiliated with WWE. Then uh, I'd encourage you to tell a friend. You know, If you're like, hey, you like wrestling? Then uh, you know, go listen to this. I think I'd appreciate that. Or if you want to go ad-free and get rid of all the ads that you hear throughout the show, patreon.com slash WWE podcast. So that'll do it for me on the weekend review. Everybody. I thank you so much. And of course I'll be back tomorrow with Anthony DeMarco in the current state of WWE. And then Tuesday's raw review, Wednesday's mailbag. And then uh, NXT, of course, sprinkled in there. AEW sprinkled in there. WWE retro sprinkled in there and a lot of other great stuff. So thanks everybody for listening. Take care. And I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.